We're going to be having a great conversation with Lori Seibel. She's the president and CEO of the Lincoln Community Health Endowment. Lori, thank you for joining us. How are, how are you doing today? I am doing really well. It's a beautiful day, and um, I think we're off to the start of a great fall. Well, yeah, you know, uh, this spring, we had a wonderfully long spring, mellow, mm-hmm. nice. I really hope that we get that same experience for fall. I fall. hope so, too. I was yeah. out for a while. Leaves are turning, so I know there's a there's a change coming, but right now, doesn't it? It feels great, yeah. So our listeners may and may not know you, but just for some context, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, managed to come to Link. Let's just learn more about you first. Go way back. Well, I am a Nebraska native. I grew up in a town of about, oh, at the time I lived there, about 400 people. And so... Um, went to college, went to grad school, came to Lincoln to work at the Lincoln-Lancaster County Health Department. Um, And over the time there, I became the city's epidemiologist. So I spent a lot of time with data, looking at data, trying to figure out what's telling us and how it could be helpful in setting policy and making people healthier. Um, About that time, they were getting ready to sell Lincoln General Hospital. Um, It's kind of interesting. Some people remember it very well. The youngest generation uh, doesn't remember Lincoln General very well. It was sold 25 years ago, became Brian West. But the proceeds for that uh, hospital sale came to the city. Um, We put them into an endowment. And um, I've been here ever since. Uh, Our job is to use that money to make Lincoln a healthier city to to live and work and play and we've been trying to do that 25 years great so we're here today to talk about projects that you've embarked on since 2015 that project is called place matters now before we really get too much into that just a little bit more about the health endowment uh prior to 2015 um because you know i want to make that demarcation of post uh, excuse me pre-place matters post-place matters what did you did the health what kind of things were coming to you? What did the data then tell you these should be our priority? Well, you know, as an epidemiologist, I never, um, you know, data has always been in a lot of ways. I mean, I know that sounds data as, as a weird thing to say, but um, it really can tell you a lot of great things. And um, you don't have to be, you know, Kurt, you're, you're so much more wise and data than I am, I can just picture and and help identify some areas where we really believed um, we needed to invest. And so we were looking at a lot of different topics. Primarily, um, we were looking at a lot of things around mental health, um, uh, medical care, making sure people who didn't have medical care were able to access that. Uh, we, we funded projects all over the city that had to do with a, a lot of different issues. And, um, but over to understand how we could work with data even a little bit more to help us target our funding because we have a lot of funding than we do funds to give. That seems like what a nonprofit is saying to the funders. <laughs> it's like, we have so much more that we can do if we just had a few more bucks. But I suppose, you know, the opposite is completely true is that being you and having your data history, you see all those needs. So what was the impetus what started you on this this adventure? Well, I really think that a lot of Lincoln, you've studied Lincoln, you recognize there are parts of the community that perhaps could benefit from a little um, deeper work, so to speak. And um, while Lincoln is a wonderful city to live in, live in for so many people, there are areas of which 
risk at a higher level um, where perhaps individuals don't have the ability to thrive quite as well as others. And um, I knew that maps were part of telling that story. I kind of became fascinated with the idea of how we could use maps to tell stories about our community and then how we could use that information to really go to certain places and invest more deeply. So that's really what started it all. We also knew that our health department had great data. We knew the city had urban development had great data. We knew that lots of people had great data that if we looked at and felt like we could tell a story with it um, in a in somewhat of a simple way, to be honest with you, in a very personal way, you know, maps are pretty personal documents. So we felt like we had a chance to do that. You always find where you live first on a map. It's just innate. It is what you do. The first thing people do. That's where I live. That's right. What's around me? What's going on? Can I relate to what's being shown here? And, and one, from that, do I trust it? Uh, and then building trust is just a whole other likely interview about how you use data, you do process. But we won't get into, we won't get into that side of it now. But still, 2015, you, you know that maps tell... A story, you know, an image is worth a thousand words. Perhaps a picture is what you've heard heard that as. When you did this, was your board aware? Was your board aware of what you were doing, or, or were they really informed by this process as well? You know, I don't know if any of us really knew what we were doing. To be honest with you, I think we felt like there was a lot of possibility, Um, and you know that as well as anyone because you've been working with this for a long time. But I think. I think the board was hopeful that it might help them inform their work um, as, as you know, funding decisions became harder and harder. Anything that they could use to help them make good decisions was welcome. Sure. Yeah. Um, around this time, around that 2015 period, there was also another community report called Vital Signs. Uh, similar but yet different, Vital Signs was more tables and charts and pie charts your effort was more uh, map based we're you and we are still doing place matters is vital signs still out there in the world or or have i suppose or has place matters kind of taken the broader place for both of them What's no vital vital signs is still very much going and it is in many ways, a much more broader, deeper, more comprehensive look. One of the one of the, maybe this says something about about me, but my real goal with Place Matters was to keep it simple and to focus um, on. Um, uh, we we could make that map book fifty pages long, more and more, <laughs> and we chose to say, you know, I think for us and for the work that we were doing. Um, this is where we wanted to keep it. We wanted to keep it at 10 or 12 maps just so that we could really focus on them. Now, that being said, Vital Signs informs such a wider, broader, bigger audience in terms of employment and workforce and, and um, you know, childcare and mental health. And it encompasses a lot more things than ours does. So I would consider it the much more comprehensive of the two. You know, it's a, as a, city worker i think our listeners know that well about me that i would echo that completely there are there, there's so many reports out there that just go in, into deep dives on really unique topics comes to employment you have the workforce investment opportunity act which talks wholly about what it takes to create and maintain and build job structures here 
fantastic. We in our urban development department, we talk a lot about housing and how we really address our, uh, our um, homelessness within our within our community. The vital signs, place matters, downtown studies, focus area plans. There's just there's just so much work being done there. So, 2015 happens. We go through this process. You make a presentation there. At, I think it's at Brian East. You know, it's in so. the bottom, yeah. um, in their big conference room, but it's packed to the gills. I think people were just really just, there's this aha moment of which people go, huh, huh. What happened after that first presentation? Did you, did you just get, you know, you know did, did, your, did your inbox just fill up with, come talk to us, tell me more? Or was it more, hey, did you look at this? Can you get into this? Can you tell me more about this? Or was it just a mix of the two? I think it was a mix of the two. I think it took people a while to kind of figure out what these maps meant. And of course, you have to keep in mind that the first time we did it, we didn't really have a comparison to previous maps. So we were kind of just a point in time. And here's where we are right now. I think as the maps came out every two years and people began to see trends or people began to look at the data in ways where things were overlapping, you know, we became more sophisticated in how we presented the data. Um, but yeah, I've been out telling my place stories matter. I, I <laughs> counted them up one time. I think I've made well over 200 presentations to I'm sure tens of thousands of people. And it's always still fun because people always look still exactly where they live. Um, and they, I think, walk away with a better understanding of the community and especially the places where they don't live, which I think is important to anyone who lives here. So before we go too much further, and we really should have done this at, at, at the beginning, and we'll do it when we come back from our break, but if someone wanted to take a look at these images, what's the best way for them to go find these images? Is it going to your website? Do you have a, uh, is there a certain keyword search out there? No, <clears throat> excuse me. If you put in place matters, um, or if you put in CH, actually, if you put in CHE Lincoln, all one word, C is in cat, H is in hat, E is in elephant, lincoln.org um, if you go there we actually have a tab called place matters and if you look there you will see a copy of all of the maps um, they're not quite ready yet but there are interactive maps so if you want to go specifically to where you live they're just updating those with the new data and they'll be ready if you want a presentation on the place matters work you can make that request there um, so there is there is a there's a little video that describes uh, the work. So if you want to get a little bit more about all of that, that's the place to go. CHELincoln.org and then click on Place Matters. So before we get to the break, the question that I want to ask, just again, sticking with what happened after 2015, you did this first set is people saw this. And, and as you said, it took time for them to wrap their mind around things. And I know that you and us and others saw avenues that we could go down. What were the things you were hearing and what kind of questions were being asked when you did those presentations where was there was there was there a common question or a or a common theme what were people being drawn to i mean us being data people maps mm -hmm. policy we sometimes can get into our own little you know channels and you know and, and go down the river what was the broader public asking I think the broader questions were around things like, 
um, how much of these things, especially risk factors, were happening in the same areas. They were really trying to wrap their idea, their heads around, oh, so it's not just a single map. It's sometimes when you lay maps on top of each other is when the stories really pop out. And I think, um, you know, when we started to look at things that way, that's when people began to see, okay, here is really some places where we need to invest a little bit more deeply. Um, I think they also began, and you could see this happen over and over again, people saw some of the higher risk factors, things like poverty, things like lower prenatal care, things like less access to healthy food. They saw them happening in the same census tracts over and over again. So that really kind of helped them think about their community a little bit differently and how, yeah, we do have, we can't look at everybody um, as having the same opportunity and the same ability to, to uh, um, be healthy their whole lives because that's just, that place does matter place matters exactly and that seems like a great place just to take a quick break as we head into our into our break so uh Lori we're going to continue this great conversation but to our listeners we'll be back in a few minutes stay tuned we're talking to Lori Seibel about place matters and we'll meet you on the backside. and welcome back to our street Kurt Elder Lynn Fisher our dear co-host is out today but we're having a great conversation with Lori Seibel she's the president and CEO of the community health and health endowment Excuse me, Lori. Uh, we've been talking about Place Matters and the history of Place Matters and, and and just what it is. And just briefly for those listeners who didn't join us in the first half, it is a it is a map book that is more brief and focused than say the Vital Signs report that is more broad and expansive. But it's a way that we can look at issues that best maybe not best, but it's a way to look at issues more focused and start a good conversation. Lori, is that a good 30,000 foot view? Well, and I love that you said it's a way to start conversations because I think that's what it's done. And that's really in many ways, it's it's uh, best use. It keeps get, gets people talking. There we go. And also for our listeners, just as a reminder, if you want to take a look at these maps, Lori, there there's how many maps in this 2020? Oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. I think there's 12. I think there's 12 too. Be, I think there's 12, maybe 13. Sure, so 12 maps. Uh, you. Can go online you can look at them uh you can go to chelincoln.org and in the top left hand corner there's a uh thing for place matters you can download the current one go see all the other prior maps they as we said they all start conversations and before we go on any further Lori, in the past have you placed these place matter brochures or booklets or things of that nature into the local libraries if someone wanted to go to the library and take a look at it you know, we have had them there. The great thing this year is that if you go online, you could just use the um, Q, um, QR code to um, be able to just download it directly, which is a great use of, um, peop- uh, you know, money saving, oh, yeah. saving, um, bill saving, all those kinds of things. So QR codes used to be scary, but they're just pretty commonplace now. And everyone seems to have a phone. So. So with that, so Place Matters started in 2015. And about every two years, there's an update. Mm-hmm. Those updates occurred uh, even through COVID and uh, then into now. So if we look at some of the topics that were covered in prior Place Matters, you know, the, there's there's some images and maps that we just do updates on. So you uh-huh. want to see how is, where is, or how are things changing both 
as a whole as a table, but then also visually and spatially. And so when you when you got to this 2023 plan, when did you start the brainstorming process for what you would do with this one? Tell me more about that process. Oh, we usually start in the first of the year before we want to publish it in the fall. Um, you know, a lot of it depends on when data is available. And so we try to plan around, well, we knew that we would have new data from the Lincoln Public Schools, for example, on the PACER data at the end of the year, school year. So um, we fall's a good time then to have that data so that we can map it. Um, and we don't always hit everything. Sometimes the census isn't done in a time, timely fashion or um, other things don't quite line up, but we try to do it in a way that we have about uh, nine months to work on it and hopefully collect all the latest data during that time. So before we go through just a brief listing of what those images are and just try to pull out some quick aha moments and what we heard from those things, uh, when we think about what this process what this process and what this project has done. How has it affected your process? Um, how has it affected your priorities? Can you talk to me more about, is this something that's just interesting or is this really impacting the work that you do? No, you know, this is really our roadmap. I mean, every year the board sits down with our maps and it looks at where we believe we can make the biggest impact. And so this last year, our focus areas were um, on youth fitness, of which we can talk about shortly, um, healthy, food, healthy food access and prenatal care. Those are three areas where we really felt like the maps were telling us we needed to invest. Um, and so from our perspective, they're, they're part of our strategic plan. It's also, though, really um, great when we hear that other organizations, other, other nonprofits, um, in our community use these maps to leverage funds, both at a federal, uh, a state and a local level. They believe that they it informs their work, that they're able to show that we have a good real sense of what's happening in our community. And someone recently told me that this is one of their biggest economic development tools that they have for being able to leverage outside funding. So that is just right. icing on the cake for us. Oh yeah. So we're going to do just a quick review of the topics and images that were in this this set of maps for the 2023 or the fifth version of this place matters uh, a topic so i'm just going to read from the pamphlet i apologize to our listeners out there for doing this but this is what we have to do so we looked at poverty and we compared poverty from 1980 to 2021 to see how it's grown where it's grown things of that nature we then get into what what does prenatal care look like? And perhaps we'll talk a little bit more about why that's an important thing. You know, in fact, we just might do that now. Why did we choose a prenatal care map to be part of this 2023 Place Matters? Well, prenatal care is one of the most important things that we can focus on. A healthy baby means a healthy um, child, uh, youth and adults. So focusing on uh, prenatal care, making sure the mom is healthy, making sure the baby is healthy, um, is one of the best things that we can do in terms of public health and um, a healthier community. So it's kind of a no brainer, to be honest with you. One different thing about this year was that we focused on not only early care, because it's important that women get care in their first trimester, 
um, so they can focus on things like not smoking and not drinking and and um, taking their vitamins and all of those kinds of things. So it's not only early, early, but it's adequate. Are you getting regular care throughout your pregnancy? And so there's a new algorithm that allows us to put those two things together um, that the health department does. And I never want to go without saying the health department <laughs> does, does so much of this work um, that it's it's a way to really see whether we have not only early but adequate care. Wonderful. The next one of the next maps in the booklet is uh, access to primary medical care. And for our listeners, imagine if you would take Lincoln and cross it down 27th Street across O Street into your quadrants. If you can imagine if you would take a, a diagonal line that goes from uh, Southwest Lincoln up to O Street and over. What you would see is generally speaking, a lot of primary medical care in the Southeast portion of the community. But as you get into the Northeast and Northwest, there's just fewer and fewer and less access. Do I have that briefly right, Lori? Yeah, that's great. I, I wanna point out this a map actually shows a lot of progress. You know, early on when we were doing this map back in 2015, um, there were very few primary care um, locations in the heart of our community where uh, primary care access was the hard, hardest to find. Um, that's changed. We now have four in that, what we call our medically underserved area. So we've made some impacts in the core of our city, but we still have work to do in the Northwest and Northeast parts of our community. Sure. So I'm just gonna focus on those maps, I guess, cause I'm looking at the clock and see how much time I have left on those, on those facets that you had said that the board is focusing on. So if we could go down to the healthy food access, that's a project that I work on. Mm-hmm. So I can talk for a while on that and just nerd out on all of you, but let's not do that. But basically what it shows is what you might expect is that there is that there's less food access on on the fringe of the city where it's developing, but there are some areas within the uh, established city that are lacking, needing, uh, desiring perhaps more healthy food access. And healthy food access just briefly refers to um, not so much cost, but it's but it's about where that food is at. And so it's hard to explain this one on the radio. But Lori, do, do you have any big takeaways that 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 you have just briefly that you can put into words about this image? The only quick things that I would say is it's important to keep in mind that, yes, people can drive and go and get healthy food if they're able to do that. But having healthy food present in a neighborhood says something, too, about Um, promoting health, promoting the value of health, promoting the value of the neighborhood if we want to invest in healthy food there. So um, I think it's just critically important to think about what kids are seeing on their way to and from school, um, stopping in stores, what they're able to buy, all of those kinds of things. So this map is a perfect example of how we use these maps to drive our funding. We can look at this and say, how do we invest more deeply in those areas? And we funded projects that put healthy food right into the neighborhoods that are identified by the map. So this is a great example of how we've used these. Right. So uh, as I said, we're, we're gonna focus on the priorities, but I just did wanna call out that there is an image on housing cost burden, and that's in there because Lori, you have said time again that that health is more than healthcare. It is, it is, it is those things that also affect your access to healthcare. Absolutely. But as we get into the, perhaps the the images I really like, which is the youth fitness maps. Mm-hmm. And so if, to to our listeners who might be of an older generation, back in the day, we used to have a presidential uh, fitness test where you could jump and stretch and things of that nature. 
that's been replaced with this uh, product called a pacer. And it's just another way to measure uh, students' uh, air quote health. Lori, yeah, that, could, could you say that one more time? Aerobic fitness. Aerobic fitness, thank you. So the, we, we have two images. The first one was done in 2018, 2019 school year. And then the other one was done in 22, 23. So roughly pre and post COVID. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people talked about this. Can you tell us a little bit about what you saw in these? Yeah, what we saw was that there has been a significant decline in kids' ability to to pass the PACER test. You know, back um, in 2018, there were only 19 census tracts of which um, kids were passing the PACER test at the goal we set, which was that 80% of kids should pass the PACER test. Um, it further dropped to only 13 census tracts, and that's out of 70, 77, is it, census tracts in our community where Sounds kids right. pass the PACER test. And so in in for the first time, we're seeing areas where less than half the kids can meet this aerobic fitness standard. This should be a wake-up call to our community that we have some work to do to get kids out and in moving. And if I can say anything, some people say, well, my kid's not athletic or my kid doesn't like to run. That's not what this is about. The fact is that if your child is aerobically fit, they're gonna be a better student. Doesn't mean they have to be an athlete. It means that they have to be out and moving, moving their body, creating a healthy heart, because at the end of the day, they're gonna be a better student they're going to be able, they're going to sleep better. They're going to have better behaviors. They're going to have less depression. I mean, it's not just about building muscles. You know, this is this is a key indicator of our youth's health. And we should all be concerned about this. Exactly. So in the last few minutes that we have, I just want to go over just a few other things that the Health Endowment does. But before I do that, I also want to say that this Place Matters uh, process is also those is also the same process that got us into those other conversations such as life expectancy and how those vary across different parts of town and how that's changed over time. That itself could be a whole nother conversation. But uh, I wanna get into what all else you do. At the Health Endowment, you also have pieces called Community Conversations in, in which you've talked about cultural diversity, the effects of the baby boomers. Uh, you've talked about youth, youth sports and how you know just different impediments different impediments to use sports have different outcomes um if people wanted to suggest ideas for other community conversations for for things that they would be really interested in learning more about would you take those oh would absolutely. You take those asks yeah we would love to hear what the community wants to hear about we are always happy to bring in great speakers break great experts people who understand the issue and um and the point is to have a conversation with them to work, elevate the conversation around specific topics so again you can find um our contact information on that plate on our website and just shoot us a note we're happy to and so uh, at the risk of sounding repetitive um but i think you've per- perhaps answered this already but if someone wanted to ask for a presentation of place mm-hmm. matters whether this one or other maps or just have a broader conversation or if they had ideas that they would like you know your support and funding how would they learn more about how to do that you know you can call us uh, 402-436-5516. Um, we have a number of staff here who are happy to chat with you about your ideas. If you'd like a presentation, we're always happy to do that and share the maps. We go out to um, college classes, high school classes, community groups, um, government groups, um, and all 
every everybody <laughs> we we um carry our little map presentation around and and i can tell you people find it to be um really fascinating because maps are very personal and and people can see themselves in it and they can see the community they live so um call us at 402-436-5516 and we're always happy to chat Lori, thank you for your time Lori seibel the president and ceo of the community health endowment but for our listeners Hey, I want to thank you again for joining us for another 30 minutes. Join us again next week. Lynn and I will be back with another interesting conversation, and we'll see you then.